Hi, everybody. Welcome to St. Patrick's Studio. My name is Brian, and this is The Conversation. Today, we're joined by author, speaker, retreat leader, LSU superfan, mom, wife, all-around good time, Becky Eldridge. She brings the funds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here and just kind of be back connected to St. Patrick's um, after visiting y'all. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe I was in there right in February, right before all this pandemic started, you know? Yeah, that seems to be about a decade ago. Now. It feels like it. I just can't, whatever you wrote, I was like, wait, wow, we had, we, that was back when life felt normal, you know? That's right. Well, how are things in the great state of Louisiana? How, how are you guys doing? Um, are you guys uh, thriving? Are you surviving? What's it look like for you? You know, probably ask somebody on every given day and they're going to give a little bit of a different answer. But um, I mean, we're, we, I know you appreciate the heat. We're definitely in the heat of summer, hot, humid summer. And, um, you know, our numbers are kind of growing again. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty I think people are facing right now. I mean, I know we everywhere, you know, around the country we are and, um, but, you know, a lot of people's minds is what are we going to do when school starts here? Um, three weeks from yesterday is when we start. So, um, but we're, I mean, I think at, at that same thing, though, the resilience of Louisiana people is shining bright. You know, I think from our many years of uh, just hurricanes and the kind of weather and floods and things that we've um, gone through together, that the resilient spirit is here. You know, what about y'all? Y'all doing all right? <laughs> well, I, I kind of mentioned to you earlier, uh, we're doing extremely okay. Extremely okay. That's like one That's of my favorite phrase. phrases I've heard, Brian. Like, extremely, we're doing all right. Extremely okay. You know, I'm just trying to take a Buddhist approach and divorce myself from any kind of expectation from this point forward, you know, just kind of take it as it comes. And, uh, you know, in the Cannon household, we have two uh, little girls that are just getting ready to start kindergarten. Oh, wow. Not what we expected. Um, but, you know, there's things that are outside of our control and we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, it is when it's, gosh, yeah, I get that. And, you know, our, our oldest is going into eighth grade and, you know, that's the end of the Catholic school that we have him at. And so it's going to be an interesting for, for, you know, for parents and kids and all kinds of people, you know extremely okay well there's a lot that's unsettled too and I just so just to get the ball rolling I am the poster child for restless souls like there's a wikipedia entry there's a picture of me Brian's picture shows up right (laughs) for being restless yeah so in your book um busy lives and restless souls it really starts with a premise and the premise is why do I feel like there's something that's missing So by all the metrics of the world, I've got this fantastic life, and yet I still feel this sort of nebulous longing in my life. So why do I feel like there's something missing, and how can I see opportunities to sort of satisfy that restlessness? Yeah. Well, I love, Brian, that you use both restlessness and longing, because I think, you know, at different moments in our life, we feel, we might name what we're feeling differently. And you know, why do we feel that? Part of it is just because it's the way God created us, that we, um, if, if we were to open the catechism, the very, like, first number one, like, CCC number one says that the way, it talks about the way God made us was in a way that we can't help but search for God, right? We're made to search for God, and and then the other piece that I love in there is it says, and at the same time, 
God is seeking to draw close to mankind, right? So there's this beautiful, just in our unique creation that God has built us in a way that we can't help but long for God, right? So that's part of where this comes from is it's a way of God drawing us to, to God, you know, and when we feel it, you know, like, let's talk restlessness for a second, you know, and, and longing we can come to, but, you know, often when we're restless, it's when, whenever I feel it or see it, when I'm sitting with somebody in spiritual direction, I'm always like, oh, you better watch out. God's coming for you. You know, like there's something God is trying to get our attention about when we feel restless and, you know, think about some of the, the beautiful wisdom we hear from like St. Augustine, you know, like our hearts are restless until they rest in the, um, I love the Psalm, um, 62 that says, you know, it's God alone that our soul is at rest. Like, so that restlessness is such a gift, even though it doesn't feel like it, because it wakes us up to God wanting to draw us into relationship. Yeah. And I find that um, if we think about it, longing, because sometimes it might feel like a longing that it's the same thing, you know, and so restlessness and longing to me show up. I see them the most in three ways. One is the invitation initially into a relationship with God, right? When we kind of maybe we've we've never really engaged in a personal relationship, God will make us restless, like we'll become restless to, to be wooed into relationship. Sometimes the restlessness might actually be God waking us up to sin, to something that, you know, kind of almost that restlessness feels to me like the sting of guilt more so, you know, and then the, the, sometimes it's, it's when God is trying to bring us to a new depth, right? We'll have this longing for more and it might be God inviting us to deeper prayer, or deeper expression of our faith, or even a deeper expression of our calls. Um, so those three things are there, and it's really a gift. I mean, I know. Have you experienced? You said you've you're the poster child. Have you experienced it, or some version of of those? I I experience it all the time. What I'm not typically super good at is diving deep into it and and the why. So I think for me, it's more of an invitation to actually engage in some sort of examination. <laughs> like, yeah. so I feel this restlessness, but I can't just leave it there and just like, shrug my shoulders. Uh, I'm I'm invited to uh, a deeper uh, examination of why that might be. And so much of what you do and your work is focused in on this Ignatian spirituality, which the examine is a part of. Yes. What, what are the fundamentals of Ignatian spirituality that drew you into that? And how, uh, how does that offer something to us in this longing that we experience? Yeah, well, and I was, I fell into Ignatian spirituality. Like I didn't even know there was a name for it. You know, I went to K through 12, Catholic school and it was my schools were run by the sisters of St. Joseph's who were their founder was a Jesuit father made I and so it I was immersed in it and I didn't even know I was for a long time and it wasn't until probably my early 20s that I understood that it had a name um, and so you know let's just say real quick what is Ignatian spirituality right for people listening and there's so many spiritualities in our Catholic faith and when you know, what is spirituality? I just think it's this way that we're called to relate to God, 
right? It's these, and, and there's many, many spiritualities of which Ignatian spirituality is one. And, you know, so Franciscan, we might hear, we might hear Carmelite, um, the Vincentian way, the Benedictine way, like all these are different spiritualities. And they have unique elements that help us relate to God. And I find my home in Ignatian spirituality and, and the things that I like about it, especially in regards to what we're talking about. Number one, it's we can find God in all things. Um, and, and that's something even in the right now, when our many of our churches are still closed, I think St. Pat's is still not able to, y'all can't be in the physical building yet. Um, I know here in Baton Rouge, we're limited to just a few people can be in our churches, but there's deep comfort in knowing that we can still be in relationship with God, even when we can't be in the doors of the church. Um, and so that to me is such a gift. And then I think too, there's this great wisdom in Ignatian spirituality, the discernment wisdom from St. Ignatius that helps us, for instance, maneuver through restlessness and longing. Um, and you mentioned the exam and that's one of the great prayer tools that St. Ignatius has given our church that helps us. It's a tool that can help us become aware of both God's movement in our life and um, helps us grow an awareness of God with us. And at the same time, um, let's just kind of, it, it's a prayer that can hold a, hold some questions like what, it, what is this restlessness about? You know, what is God inviting me to in it? And in finding God in all things, uh, I, I really, res that resonates with me, but sometimes the question ri rises within me, like, what does it mean to find God? Like, yeah. how do I know? What are some of the fruits of that? Yeah. And how do we know when we have had an encounter with God? That's yeah. a great question. And what I often point people to is, you know, these, you, I'm sure we all remember learning or at some point I've heard the fruits of the spirit and we kind of rattle them off at some point as kids and, you know, our religious ed program, or maybe if we went to Catholic school. Yeah. They were always trying to get me to focus in on self-control. Yeah. Like right? there's some, there's some aspect, but you know, there's a beautiful part um, in Isaiah actually, where it's talking about what does the spirit of the Lord look like? Right. So in Isaiah, it talks about what the spirit of the Lord looks like, understanding, wisdom. Um, my husband, who is a very wise man, I, I find at times like he'll come up with these little nuggets. I'm like, where did, where did that come from, Chris? You know, at times, at at times. times. Yeah, no, at times. But recently, it, since this whole pandemic started, he very quiet, all of a sudden one night just busted out this comment. And he said, I think one of the ways God is protecting us is through wisdom. And I just, I have come back. I mean, it still gives me goosebumps to like, think about that, you know? And he was saying, you know, people are asking like, where is God right now in this moment? And so he went on to share about how part of the way God is with us is giving us the wisdom of how to protect ourselves, right. Mm -hmm. And how to take care of other people. And so again, looking for those fruits of the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Like Isaiah says there about wisdom, like layer in Galatians, when it's naming the other fruits of the spirit, like peace, patience, joy, love, um, gentleness, when we're generous. And so again, the exam and that prayer tool and just this, how do we know if we found God? It's like when we've had an experience of one of those fruits mm -hmm. is when we know we're in the presence, we can clearly say, Hey, I, I was in the presence of God there. 
Um, maybe it was like with a person. Maybe um, yesterday we found, my kids and I found that a bird had built a nest like right outside on our, um, I mean, right out our front door on the on top of the light, which I'm like, what a dumb place. <laughs> you know, everybody's coming and going. But That was choice number one for you, bird. <laughs> yeah, like here it is. But at the same time, it's like as we're pondering this and there's this just joy that's happening with my children and me as we're like, holy cow, you know, I mean, it's this moment I can go, oh, wait, God was in that, you know, like, here's this creation of God. And here's this experience we're having that's we're marveling over what God does. Um, so it's, it's, it's things like that. And then, you know, and I think too, we can find God right here, like within us in our inner chapel, you know, that we've got this, again, the way God built us is that we, we shelter God within. Mm -hmm. And so I think again, right now, reminding people of that, that even though you may not be able to physically be in mass, right? Um, or maybe it's a virtual experience or out in the parking lot receiving communion like y'all are doing that, that God is still right here available, available to us. How do you see that in your in your kiddos? Because that's something that I, I worry about. And I want to I want to as a parent support my kids as much as I can during this this time. How how have you been able to introduce your kids to this Ignatian mindset of, of finding God in all things? Yeah. I think one way my kids just they're naturally um what I want to say, lovers of creation. Like they love nature, and I think both Chris and I do. So they by for sure kind of have this like contemplative um posture of just like to the point that they notice the bird right they notice um the sunset they'll they'll call my attention to like a flower in our yard you know so i think there's a little bit of like nurturing that love of god out in the created world um but thinking about just their kind of own interior lives I mean, we teach our kids the and do the examine with our children, right? And and not the full, there's five steps that most adult, you know, an adult would do. But right now our youngest is six. And so we just at night as we pray as a family, we, you know, a lot of times it's like, what are you thankful for today? Um, did you did you find where'd you find God today? Um, what you know, what do you want to ask prayers for today? And so it's like helping them name again, like what Ignatius, he calls consolation, desolation, you know, but it's like really helping them become aware of where did I experience one of those fruits of the, of the Holy Spirit today? You know, like what brought me joy? What made me smile? Um, and then I think too, just by nature, the witness, and I mean, and I, I'm going to say this and it, it makes me have to hold myself accountable to it, right? <laughs> but it's like Chris and I's own witness of pausing for prayer in the morning, right? That, um, you know, just the witness of Chris and I get, we both get up early. We each have our different prayer place that we go to. Um, but just that witness of us being intentional, you know, to set an alarm, even during the pandemic, to get ourselves out of bed where there's, the house is still quiet and to come pray, you know? And I think those little things, um, and our language as parents, I think, too, to just to actually say the words of, oh, this is an experience of God right now, you know, um, that we're feeling, you know, as we're pondering the bird saying something, you know, like, holy cow, that's cool that God created it that way or, you know, um, but it's 
it's something I think, don't you think we have to be really intentional about? And sometimes we forget it <laughs> as parents. I mean, I don't know if you feel like that ever, but. For sure. You get really task oriented. And I think that as somebody who's like, you know, the professional Christian that, um, I, I sometimes think it will happen sort of by osmosis or automatically or less intentionally. And, uh, I think that's a danger for me. Is that, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the, uh, the, in the interior search, the, yeah. the search within for God and the inner chapel. And that's your, your latest work, uh, it's called the inner chapel. What led you to write that? Well, that one, my, so it started with my grandfather who had brain cancer um, that we were walking, Chris and I were his caregivers. And one of the very last, there was a handful of very meaningful last conversations he and I had before he died. And one of them is he made me make him a promise. And that promise was, um, he called me Bexa and he said, Bexa, promise me you will tell people they are not alone right? Promise and, and the, you know, the widening of that conversation went on to be promise me you'll tell people that what we know, right? About God, about God always with us, about Jesus, about just knowing the good news, right? So that was, he kind of planted this promise in me in February of 2018. And, um, you know, all of a sudden this kind of welling desire to write again started coming. And at the same time, one of my best friends, she and I do a lot of retreat work together as we were giving retreats together. She came to me when at the end of one and she said, do you hear yourself? And I was like, no, what do you mean? And she said, you keep talking about the inner chapel and the promises of God. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I didn't, I mean, it was just like this moment of God, it's like God gave it to me before I even knew it was really in me. And so then as I kind of set out to really committing with my publisher to write a, like put a proposal in and and get the book together, it just came out. Right. But I feel like it really began with this seed that my grandfather planted in me. And then it's like, God just kept tending it you know, and, and putting people like my friend, Stephanie, that, you know, to help me go, Hey, do you hear it? Do you see it? And, um, I think it's often like that with calls in our life. I don't know if you've had that experience, but it's like some little seed God plants. And then there's people come along the way that kind of help nurture it and help us see it mm-hmm. before we even know it, you know? And, you know, we talked about finding God and how do you know, well, it's the fruitfulness. So what, what fruits are you seeing coming from working on this inner chapel for you? For me? Yeah. Well, and I mean, even the fact that this book, I mean, I have to be honest, like it coming out on April 13th, I mean, what a crazy date to launch a book and at this time. And, but what I, what I can say at this moment now is that I guess this is really the right time <laughs> for this book to come out because what I'm, what I'm seeing is giving people the language of the inner chapel is really helping people nurture their interior prayer life, you know? And, and I know for me that that has been a great gift for almost two decades that somebody taught me over 20 years ago that it existed in the first place and through the years so many people have taught me how to go to it right like going to it meaning 
how do I pray in daily life? Even as a lay, like as a lay woman who was working at one point, who was then got married and then became a mom, like people kept teaching me how to make time to come to prayer daily. And, and so I think that that's part of what I'm watching happen is people read this book, you know, it's like they're learning, Oh, wait, I, there's, here's little ways that I can bring this into my daily life. Um, and the fruits of our prayer. Um, and I know y'all's mission, I think y'all, it's still y'all's mission, or maybe y'all have a new, I can't remember when y'all's mission statement for the year comes, but you know, it was that, that both prayer and action piece, right? I forget the exact, um, Grounded in prayer. Grounded in prayer and action, right? When that it grounded in prayer and mission. And mission, right? But I knew it had the both and this in there. Um, But it it is. It's like our prayer grounds us, but it's never just for us, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is definitely for us to grow in our relationship with God. But then we are called to bring what we experience out, and so even like in the book when I talk about the promises of God. They're both for us to receive, but then for us to also share them with others, you know, to let, and and like right now, like letting people know promises, like you're not alone right now, right? God is with you, um, that you have like a companion in the suffering, right? That Jesus gets what we've gone, like what we're going through. Yes, maybe there wasn't a pandemic, but Jesus gets suffering, and can really be a companion for us in, in all the uncertainty we're facing right now. Yeah. Now I feel like talking to you, I have to throw a y'all in there. So I'm going a to y'all. That's right. Let you got to your y'all. Sorry. Tell me if I can pull it off. <laughs> y'all in Louisiana are survivors. Okay. <laughs> the, the storms, the, the, the hurricanes that, that y'all go through when you were with us, what, we discussed seems like now 8,000 years ago when you were speaking with us, one of the things you talked about was praying through the storm. Yeah. What's your prayer life like right now? Yeah, it has been at this moment. It's quiet. I'm just going to like at this, if you know, it's, it's finally more settled again, but for the last several months, it felt even interiorly, it was a little bit turbulent. Um, you know, but it was like, what I kept coming back to was just keep showing up, you know, and, and part of the kind of turbulence I was feeling was, um, every, everything was changing, right? My kids were home. I mean, like, I know you get that, like Mm -hmm. suddenly kids were home. Um, I went from an entire calendar, a whole year of retreats scheduled to, I literally had this, I'll be honest, this knee dropping, like a literal knee dropping moment on, it was like March 19th or 20th. And it was like when the last retreat canceled. And I, I mean, I literally had this moment and I remember Chris and I looking at each other and I'm like, oh my gosh, there goes our entire, like part of our family's income, you know, like, how are we going to make ends meet? What are we going to do? And, and so, I mean, a lot of my prayer has been crying out to God, (laughs) you know, like lament, like help us, help me, um, help, you know, there's so much suffering happening right now. Um, and so, but the, the turn, when I say the turbulence, it was like so much like movement between consolation and desolation. Like I'd have a moment of going like, okay, God, I feel God, (laughs) God's here. And then like, I might come the next day or two. And then it's like, I'm just going, where are you? What is happening? You know? um, But just like prayer always does. It's like the faithfulness to showing up 
God keeps, well, like we're talking about the restlessness, like God has calmed my restless heart and I feel very grounded right now. You know, um, even with the uncertainty of like, I don't know what's happening with my kids in three weeks, <laughs> but I know there's like, God has brought this assurance of I've got you and don't forget it. Like I've got you. I see you. I see the world and we're going to get through, you know, where do you, where do you think God is moving us in all of this as a church, as a society? <sighs> As a church, let me say that one first. I think we are being invited back to the core of the gospel message. And I think that we have, it's, we've really been stripped away of what we've, how we've known to do church, right? How we've known to do, I mean, I know you and I both are professional in our, that's our jobs, like ministry, you know, and I think we're being reevaluated, like invited to really evaluate, um, what are the best practices, right? What are the core messages of the gospel that people need right now? And very honestly, I think this is the time for very deep pastoral care of the heart. And um, I don't think it's the time for a ton of head knowledge. Like I think we're, we can't absorb it right now. There's so much information, but this is where I'm saying, coming back to the core, it's like helping people develop this interior life right now, like helping them know, I mean, because what are the promises of God? They are our good news, right? They are the charisma at the core of, it's like the initial proclamation of Jesus. Like, I see you, you matter, you're not alone, you are unconditionally loved, mercy is here for you. I see your suffering and I'm with you in it. Like that to me is what we are called to as church right now. Um, and, and then how we go about, um, really it's like, how do we cultivate space for people to encounter God right now? I mean, that's just what I keep coming back to, you know, and as a society, that one's a little harder to answer, um, not through the lens of faith. So I have to speak through it through the lens of faith, but my hope is we continue to see the dignity of all that all of life matters from birth to death, no matter what age. Um, and that part of being a Christian and calling ourselves practicing men and women of faith is we have a call to care for others. And that's, that's my hope, right? That is that we can continue to see it's not just about us. Um, it's about it's about all of us, right? That we, and if there's ever a time for us to go to see our connectedness, like we're in this because of something that happened around the world, right? right? And it, that has impacted everybody. So it's like, I hope we have this understanding that of just how interconnected we actually are as a people, you know? And I hope that wakes us up to love each other better, tend to each other better, show dignity to each other better. I don't know. I'd be, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't know if you uh, mind sharing yours, flipping the question with you there, but. It's, it's very, it's, it's very similar. It's this shared human experience. And I think a shared human experience on this level can lead to a paradigm shift. Yes. It It almost always does. And the road that we had been going down for such a long time, 
has been a road of divisiveness and of the end justifying the means and ruthlessness and just thinking the worst about one another. Um, and I think the opportunity that we now have is through this shared human experience to encounter one another's humanity on a, on a whole new level of love. That's what I'm hoping for. I love that. Well, because it's like, as you're saying that, it's like this part of the shared human experience is the, our vulnerability. Right. right. We're all vulnerable. There is a suffering that we're all holding. There's a risk that's in front of us that we're all holding. And, and you know, I think that's actually always there. <laughs> it's just that, that for once, it's like the way we're ex experiencing suffering there is something very global we're holding, which, which I'm hoping, like you're saying, makes us see it. Um, but it, the hope, you're right, is there, there is an opportunity for this paradigm shift. Yeah. You know? And even in our church, <laughs> you know, I love our Catholic faith. And even that divisiveness of spirit can happen within our church. And again, what, I'm, what, I, what I see happening is, again, us being reminded of the core of what we are, you know, especially as Catholics um, and coming back to that so that we can kind of more boldly proclaim the good news we all believe in, you know, um, that's, that's my hope. And I see it. I do see it happening some, and I hope it all keep, keep going. Now, Becky, I'm going to ask you to be the spokesperson for the entire Baton Rouge community in that, uh -oh. Are, are you guys at all disappointed that it looks like you're going to be able to hold on to your college football crown for a little bit longer than usual? <laughs> oh, I, you know, we're very excited about our national championship there, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. And, you know, I, I chuckle right now. That's like one of the but school, what's going to happen with the schools and what's going to happen with football in the fall. Those are like the two conversations all Baton Rouge people are having right now. Um, so, one and one A. You can yeah, them it, it, you on it, Yeah. <laughs> Who you talk to, which one matters more, you know? Um, but it, it, I mean, but we, we chuckle about it, but I mean, part of, part of LSU in our, in our town and city is, it's a huge community experience, right? And it, and it's yeah. one of these things that bonds us beyond I mean, it really kind of pulled you outside of yourself because it's this whole community experience. Um, and so I don't know what's going to happen, Brian. Well, you know, as an ASU fan and as a Notre Dame fan, um, oh, it's, not thing, it's not the worst thing ever because now we'll no. just have to wait a little bit longer to disappoint everybody again. So. Oh, no, come on. Yeah. Well, I keep worrying about little Notre Dame because they're like their own thing. I'm like, oh, if, ever, if all the conferences play each other. Who's uh, they're going to play a bunch of ACC teams. And they'll okay. be they'll end up, that's, what, that's what Chris said. He's like, they'll, don't worry. They'll, they'll find somebody. To play. Don't worry about Notre Dame. <laughs> Well, it's I remember, right, Father Eric, he's a big Notre Dame fan, if I recall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just want uh, to thank you so much. Where can people encounter your work? I know you've got a blog going on. You've obviously got your books. Uh, what do you have that's exciting for us to, to tap into? Yeah, so if people go to my website, beckyeldridge.com, they can f kind of find everything. I've had to kind of pivot my website so that it now houses all, pretty much everything. Um, but there's a lot of new virtual retreats that I'm offering that are coming up. Um, some of them are like these live three hour retreats where I'll guide people, guide people through. Um, there's a couple of um, retreats that are kind of, I want to call them self-paced that I have that people can kind of go through at their own ex 
their own pace. I'll be launching another one of those September 7th, I think. <laughs> so, but my website's the place to kind of stay informed of the blog, the books, um, and all the retreat work, which is 99% virtual at this moment. So. I want to thank you so much for the generosity with your time and talking oh. to us. We remember you so fondly and we, uh, we can't wait to welcome you back in person. Oh, well, y'all have such, y'all are just part of my heart. I just feel like, cause I was there for so long with St. Pat's community. It was like five, four or five days that it, it's an experience I'll never forget. So I hope, I do hope to come back or, but I love to be connected like this um, and hope everybody's doing all right. Y'all, y'all remain in my prayers. So. Likewise. Thank you so much. Becky Eldridge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. This has been The Conversation with St. Patrick's Studio, and we'll see you next time.